Our Old Testament passage today picks up in Job chapter 25, verse 1. Now one of them begins to speak. Then Bildad the Shuhite answered, Dominion and fear are with God. He makes peace in his high heaven. Is there any number to his armies? Upon whom does his light not arise? How then can a man be right before God? How can he who is born of woman be pure? Behold, even the moon does not brighten, the stars are not pure in his eyes. How much less man who is a maggot, the son of man who is a worm. <laughs> there was an old hymn years ago, What a Worm Am I? And I remember as a baby Christian, I didn't, I didn't sing that, that stanza. I wouldn't sing that. I'm not a worm. I'm a child of God. This, this, this is not the Holy Spirit speaking. This is Bildad the Shuhite. And listen to all his talk. Can a man be right before God? Yes. Yes, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. How can man who is born of woman be pure? By faith. By faith. Salvation by faith. Man who is a maggot, the son of man who is a worm. Now, listen, folks, when people are full of condemnation, they have a very poor opinion of humanity. <laughs> Chapter 26, verse 1. Then Job answered and said, How you have helped him who has no power. How you have saved the arm that has no strength. How you have counseled him who has no wisdom and plentifully declared sound knowledge. With whose help have you uttered words, and whose breath has come out from you? The dead tremble under the waters and their inhabitants. Sheol is naked before God, and Abaddon has no covering. He stretches out the north over the void and hangs the earth on nothing. He binds up the waters in his thick clouds, and the cloud is not split open under them. He covers the face of the full moon and spreads over it his cloud. He has inscribed a circle in the face of the waters at the boundary between light and darkness. The pillars of heaven tremble and are astounded at his rebuke. By his power he stilled the sea, by his understanding he shattered Rahab. By his wind the heavens are made fair, and his hand pierced the fleeing serpent. Behold, these are but the outskirts of his ways. How small a whisper do we hear of him, but the thunder of his power, who can understand? Now, Job does have a revelation of God. He does understand the sovereign power of God. He just needed to understand the goodness of God. And Job again took up his discourse and said, As God lived, who has taken away my right, who has made my soul bitter. Wow. Bitterness talking. He said, God, you took away my right. He said, and God, you made my soul bitter. God had done neither one. This was Satan's work. Not God. As long as my breath is in me and the spirit of God is in my nostrils, my lips will not speak falsehood and my tongue will not utter deceit. Far be it from me to say that if you are right till I die, I will not put integrity away from me. He said, I'm not going to admit. He said, I'm not going to admit to sin that does not exist. He said, I'm not going to do it. 
I hold fast my righteousness and will not let go. My heart does not reproach me for any of my days. But see, Job 1 and 2. God says, Job, you are blameless in all your ways. Let my enemy be as the wicked, and let him who rises up against me be as the unrighteous. For what is the hope of the godless when God cuts them off and when God takes away his life? Will God hear his cry when distress comes upon him? Will he take delight in the Almighty? Will he call upon God at all times? I will teach you concerning the hand of God. What is with the Almighty, I will not conceal. So he said, Paul's, Job says, I will now teach. Now later on, you're going to see that God says, Job, uh, do you want to teach me? <laughs> Behold, all of you have seen it yourselves. Why then have you become altogether vain? He said, your, your words are vain. This is the portion of a wicked man with God and the heritage that oppressors receive from the Almighty. If his children are multiplied as for the sword and his descendants have not enough bread, those who survive him the pestilence buries and his widows do not weep. Though he heap up silver like dust and pile up clothing like clay, he may pile it up, but the righteous will wear it and the innocent will divide the splendor. He builds a house like a moth's, like a booth that watchmen make. He goes to bed rich, but will do so no more. He opens his eyes, and his wealth is gone. Now notice, a sinner loses everything. There is no wealth that remains. Okay? Terrors overtake him like a flood. In the night, the whirlwind carry him off. The east wind lifts him up and he is gone. It sweeps him out of his place. It hurls at him without pity and he flees from its power in headlong flight. It clasps its hands at him and hisses at him in its place. Chapter 28, verse 1. Surely there is a mine for silver and a place for gold that they refine. Iron is taken out of the earth and copper is smelted from ore. Man puts an end to darkness and searches out to the very limit the ore in gloom and deep darkness. He opens shafts in a valley away from where anyone lives. They are forgotten by travelers and they hang in the air far away from mankind. They swing to and fro. As for the earth, out of it comes bread, but underneath it is turned up as by fire. Its stones are the, are the places of sapphires and it has dust of gold. That path no bird of prey knows and the falcon's eye has not seen it. The proud beasts have trodden on it, the lion has not passed over it. Man puts his hand to the flinty rock and overturns the mountains by the roots. He cuts out channels in the rocks and his eyes see every precious thing. So notice, he said, man is different than the animals. <laughs> man is very different from the animals. He said, the animals don't notice any of these things, but man does. Man's eye sees every precious thing. He dans up the stream so they do not trickle, and the thing that is hidden he brings out to light. But where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Man does not know its worth, and it is not found in the land of the living. The deep say it is not in me, and the sea says it is not in me. It cannot be bought with gold, and silver cannot be weighed as its price. Okay, So wisdom... is not for sale. 
Gold and glass cannot equal it, nor can it be ex exchanged for jewels of fine gold. No mention shall be made of coral or of crystal. The price of wisdom is above pearls. The topaz of Ethiopia cannot equal it, nor can it be valued in pure gold. From where, then, does wisdom come? And where is the place of understanding? It is hidden from the eyes of all living and concealed from the birds of the air. Abaddon and Death say, we have heard a rumor of it with our ears. God understands the way to it, and he knows its place. So God directs us to wisdom. For he looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. And he gave to the wind its weight and apportioned the waters by measure. When he made a decree for the rain and a way for the lighting of the thunder, then he sought and declared, he established it and searched it out. And he said to man, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to turn away from evil is understanding. All right, now this is what God says. And you know what? You'll find that in other places in Scripture, so we need to go look them up and put them in there. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, Proverbs says. And to turn away from evil is understanding. Wow. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship.
Our New Testament passage today begins in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning with verse 12. For our boast is this, the testimony of our conscience. See, for Paul, other people's words did not matter. He said, I care very little if I'm judged by you. But he said, the testimony of our own conscience. He said, I know the truth about myself. He said, we have behaved in the world with simplicity and godly sincerity, not by earthly wisdom, but by the grace of God and supremely so toward you. Now, look at that from New Living. We can say with confidence and a clear conscience that we have lived with a God-given holiness and sincerity in all our dealings. We had depended on God's grace. Oh, I like that not on our own wisdom. And that is how we conducted ourselves before the world and especially toward you. I like that. Paul said, listen, Christians, it doesn't matter what people have said to you. He said, I know my own heart. He said, my conscience is I have behaved with a simplicity and godly sincerity, with a God-given holiness and a godly sincerity. He said, I haven't walked among you with earthly wisdom, He said, but I walked among you by the grace of God. He said, for we are not writing to you anything other than what you read and understand, and I hope you will fully understand, just as you did partially understand us. Now notice, fully understand, partially understand, that on the day of our Lord Jesus, you will boast of us as we boast of you. Now notice, these are things that you grow to understand. He said, this this relationship that I have with you, he said, it's not like the patronage thing. He said, I pray that you will understand and that one day you will fully understand, even as you partially understood. Why? What is it that he wants you to understand? He wants you to understand this, how he's lived among you. He said, so that on the day of our Lord Jesus, you will boast of of us as we boast of you. He said, just as I was proud of you, he said, I want you to be proud of, of how I've lived among you. Because I was sure of this, I wanted to come to you first so that you might have a second experience of grace. (laughs) He said, I wanted to come to you first. I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and to come back to you from Macedonia and have you send me on my way to Judea. So in other words, he said, I want to come two trips and grace. He said, I want you to to experience grace flowing from my life twice. Was I vacillating when I wanted to do this? Do I make my plans according to the flesh, ready to say yes, yes, and no, no at the same time? As surely as God is faithful, our word to you has been yes, has not been yes and no. For the Son of God, Christ Jesus, whom we proclaimed among you, Silvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in him it was always yes. I like that. Always yes. He said, when it comes to making plans, I always want to say yes to you. Paul always wanted to serve them. This was his heart. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen. Amen means so be it. To to God for his glory. 
It is God who establishes us with you in Christ. Establishes us with you in Christ. And has appointed us. And who has also put his seal on us. And given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. But I call God to witness against me. It was to spare you that I refrained from coming again to Corinth. All right, this is an explanation of here. Why he did not come twice. He said it was to spare you. Not that we lorded over your faith, but we work with you for your joy, for you stand firm in your faith. Chapter 2, verse 1. For I made it my mind not to make another painful visit to you. Right? Because he had to discipline them and correct them. He said, you know, Paul did not... Paul did not enjoy discipline. And I don't know any real leader that does. He says, so you know what? I refrain from coming because I didn't want to make another painful visit. For if I cause you pain, who was there to make me glad but the one whom I pained? And I wrote as I did so that when I came, I might not suffer pain from those who should make me rejoice. For I felt sure of all of you that my joy would be joy of all of you. For I wrote to you out of much affliction and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to cause you pain, but to let you know the abundant love that I have for you. Why Paul brought correction. He said, you know, I wrote you 1 Corinthians, and I know there was a lot of correction in there. And he said, I wrote you out of much affliction, out of anguish of heart and with many tears. He said, I knew I was going to hurt you. He said, but my purpose, this was not his purpose. He said, my purpose was not to bring you pain. My purpose was to let you know the abundant love I have for you. Now, a real pastor doesn't just make people feel good all the time. A real pastor sometimes has to bring correction. And beloved, I don't know a good pastor who enjoys it. I mean, I, there may be some guys out there that do, but I don't know a good pastor who enjoys it. Because you don't want to hurt people. You, you don't want to make people weep and cry. But you do want people to grow and change. And sometimes... You have to love people enough to say what they need to hear. This was the heart of the Apostle Paul. All right, let's open up our hearts for a little wisdom from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 11. How about if we read it to you from the New Living Translation again? Will that be all right? It is foolishness to belittle one's neighbor. Wow. It is foolish to put down your neighbor, to always be speaking against other people. He said, you know, it's foolish to get on, if we're going to apply it today, to get on Facebook and always be criticizing other people. He said, it's foolish. A sensible person keeps quiet. I like that. Are you a sensible person? Then just keep quiet. A gossip goes around telling secrets. 
but those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. So anybody who's going around telling secrets, New English Version Standard says, whoever goes around slandering reveals secrets. But he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. You know, when you find people going around slandering people, telling everybody their secrets, telling everybody things that maybe even they've made up and they think is secret, you need to understand something. That person's a gossip. That person's English Standard Version, a slanderer. And you need to understand, if you hang out with that person, I promise you, you will be the topic of conversation to somebody else one day. You will you will be the recipient of it. Without leadership, wise leadership, a nation falls. There is safety in having many advisors. Now notice, without wise leadership, a nation falls. Not, not with, with talented leadership, wise leadership. There's a difference here between wisdom and ability, okay? There's a danger in putting up security for a stranger's debt. It is safer not to guarantee another person's debt. Now, one of the things I've learned in my short life, and I, I teach the, the, the Entrepreneur Fellowship and the Kasaganatan Fellowship this truth, don't, don't co-sign loans for people. When you, when you co-sign loans for people, uh, there's a danger. And here's the danger. They don't feel a pressure to make sure that debt is paid. So you're sitting over here just living your life, enjoying your life, but you co-signed a loan for somebody else. And they would rather do something else with their money. So they spend their money on something else, and then they don't pay the debt. And then all of a sudden, the bank calls you, and you have to come up with the money in a hurry because they didn't feel a pressure to pay the debt because you co-signed it. It is safer not to guarantee another person's debt. Now, here's a beautiful one. A gracious woman gains respect. Not a nagging woman, not a that, 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 that kind of a woman. A gracious woman gains respect. Ladies, do you want respect? Now, now ladies, straight up, do you want respect? Then be gracious. People, don't, people do not respect mean-spirited women. The mean girl from high school, the mean girl from college, people don't respect that. A gracious woman gains respect. But ruthless men gain only wealth. Wow. Ruthless men. Guys that will do anything for money. Ruthless men that don't care about the feelings of anybody else. The only thing they gain is wealth. Now, brothers and sisters, I got news for you. There's no money in the world worth just having money. If you don't have friends, if you don't have people around you that love you, you know, life just isn't worth anything. Your kindness will reward you, but your cruelty will destroy you. Don't be cruel to people. Don't speak cruel words that are designed to hurt people. Never, never get into that mess. I told you the other day, Brother Osteen's one of his famous sayings, not Joel, but his daddy, John. He said, make your words sweet because one day you're going to eat them. Your kindness, doing kind things for people will reward you. You know, it's funny, after you live a few years, you begin to see this coming back to you. And you see people doing things for you. And there was a lady who did a kind favor for my family not too long ago. And she, after she'd done all of this, I said, why are you being so kind to us? She said, you don't remember me, do you? I said, I, I said I'm sorry. 
I said, have you attended our services? No. She said, you really don't remember me, do you? And she was the daughter of a pastor in the province that Sister Bev and I gave a lot of help to at one point in time. And then she brought out her daughter and said, this is the granddaughter of the man that you helped. This is the little girl that was in the hospital that had just been born. And you helped my dad and he was able to get the medicine and pay the hospital bills for my, for my daughter. She said, so thank you. She said, this is my way of saying thank you. And I just said, I said, I looked at my wife and I, do you remember that? I, I don't hardly remember that either. I mean, you know, when she starts talking about it, you, you vaguely remember it. But you have to understand your kindness. Being kind to people will always bring a reward to your life. It, it may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. But at some point in your life, your kindness will bring a reward. But cruelty, the only thing that cruelty does is destroy you. All right. We'll see you tonight, 7 o'clock sharp.